All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez, and I'm here with John Downing and Marty Griffin, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. Well, 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 boys, the Super Bowl has happened. Johnny, is uh, every surface in your home just covered in a thick, sticky fluid? Absolutely, yes, the undisputed (laughs) king. Reigns supreme again. It's probably actually all dried and crusty by now. The ultimate CSI crime scene. Don't take a black light to Johnny's house. Oh, he's glowing over there. It's been a good week. Good week. Interesting week. Personal life, things coming soon, like awesome, like options month. Ooh, mysterious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to keep it there because who knows what life and COVID in 2021 will bring but with covid brought a little bit of inspiration and things with mama's boy cooking and options and offers and uh, hard work playing out so it's awesome so uh, in in a dark time's a good time which is uh something not too many people can say or uh, live but i hope everybody's just doing well all right very cool yeah everybody if you uh, haven't already heard about it definitely do check it out you can find um Marty, go ahead and set, uh, put up a link on our uh, our Facebook plug in, uh, yeah. plug in your shit. So if you're in the local Vermont area, definitely check out Mama's Boy Cooking for all your margarita and spicy needs, Bloody Mary and salsa needs. But um, <laughs> this is a sports show, so let's yeah. get into sorry, sorry So let's get into our number seventies uh, for episode number seventy. Marty, want to start with you? I have nothing, so I pass it along. <laughs> it, was a, it was a tough No, I, I knew we were going to save time on this, so I'm like, <laughs> there it is. So I pass it to Johnny. Johnny, you have anything? Yes, I do. I have, um, we do the uh, numbers for each episode. And so my player number 70 for episode number 70 is Logan Mankins because it relates to Tom Brady, um, one of the guys that Tom Brady was playing for this past season was former Patriot Logan Mankins, along with Lawyer Malloy, Richard Seymour, Wes Welker, Dion Branch, Jamie Collins, Akeem Hicks, and the list goes on and on and on of the reasons that Tom was playing so inspired this past season. Uh, but Logan Mankins was the Patriots' first-round draft pick in 2005, pick number 32, Played from the Patriots from 2005 until 2013. He played at a Pro Bowl level for many years, seven times. And until there was a unexpected contract dispute with Belichick and the Patriots in 2013. And so Mankins finished his career in Tampa Bay. Sound familiar? Mankins played the 2014 and 15 season in Tampa Bay and then retired. But yes, um... He, Mankins was a left guard for the Patriots for many years, and Brady was not happy when he left town. So that is my number 70, Logan Mankins. All right, Johnny. I know it's been uh, difficult sledding here. This football season, we've we've been stuck in the lineman numbers, uh, and so it, it's challenging picking out guys that who's who we even know about. <laughs> but I had, a, I had a slam dunk for this episode, number 70, I'm going with 
Ernie Stockner, D-tackle legend for the Steelers. This is the pre-Dynasty Steelers, so th- this is way back in the day in the in the 50s. He's actually a German-American. He was born in Germany, and his family immigrated when he was three. And he actually served in the Marine Corps during World War II, and then later when he came home was selected 22nd overall in the second round of the 1950 NFL draft. And yeah, he became a cornerstone of that defense. He was named to nine Pro Bowls in his 14-year career and only missed six games. He was four-time first team and five-time second team All-Pro. He finished his career with three safeties, which was then an NFL record. Uh, Now I believe it's four. And the Steelers never made the playoffs during his career, but in 1964, he became the first player to have his number, uh, number 70, formally retired uh, by the team. And he was inducted in the inaugural class of the Steelers Hall of Honor. Uh, He was a first ballot Hall of Famer in 1969 and went on to coach for the Cowboys, winning two Super Bowls and for the football team formerly known as the Redskins. It's actually funny. At one time I was traveling when I was a kid, probably, I don't know, like eight, nine, 10 years old. I was traveling with my grandfather and we were in Dallas Fort Worth airport and he goes, Hey, look at over there. You see that guy? That's Ernie Stockner. And he's like, go, go ask for his autograph. I was like, who? He's like, go, go ask for his autograph. And so I walk up and I go, Hey, are you Ernie Stockner? He goes, Yeah. I was like, can I get your autograph? So on the back of one of my grandfather's business cards, uh, Ernie Stockner signed a little thing. So, yeah, uh, pretty cool. I didn't know at the time that he was a a Steelers legend and meant so much to the team uh, back in the day before they were winning, before those uh, 70 Dynasty Steelers. But in 173 games played, he had 23 recovered fumbles and two interceptions. My number 70, Ernie Stockner. Excellent. All right, uh, we got a lot to get to today, and before we get into uh, our fun and happy news, a little bit of sad news today across the NFL. Rest in peace to Marty Schottenheimer, the former NFL coach who led four teams to 200 regular season victories over more than two decades. Uh, He passed away at age 77 uh, due to Alzheimer's disease. Guys, thoughts on Marty Schottenheimer? Just a brilliant coach. I texted you guys earlier today about this being one of my favorite coaches in the 80s and 90s growing up. He's just a great motivational speaker. Just one of those guys in the 80s and 90s, a great coach that I I loved and adored. He was just a great motivator, and he inspired his teammates when he played, inspired his players when he coached. Uh, Just go on the YouTube and go on the YouTube. I sound like the old guy. <laughs> just, go on the old, just go on the old YouTube. Uh, just search on YouTube the Gleam Marty Schottenheimer and look at and listen to that speech. I want to say it's in the late '70s, but just a brilliant man, a beautiful man, a humanitarian, and a great coach, and and represented a certain era in the league. He was unique and he was amazing. So rest in peace, uh, Marty Schottenheimer. Yes, I'll always remember Marty Schottenheimer for unfortunately him never really being able to get it done when it really mattered. And that goes all the way back to the 80s and the Elway, John Elway drive when he was the coach of the the Browns. And then it continued when he had some great 15 and 1, 14 and 2, 13 and 3 Chiefs and then Chargers teams. And some reason or another, there was always 
a loss in the playoffs. So he was never able to get over the hump and achieve the ultimate glory, unfortunately. Yeah, that was the Philip Rivers and Thomason era as well. Mm. Yeah, so thoughts and prayers, T's and P's to the Chargers, Browns, Chiefs, and football team members who are grieving the loss of Marty Schottenheimer uh, today. So, all right, we won't delay any further. I know uh, John has been cultivating his victory parade. I mean, this is the ultimate. In your, this is the ultimate in your face. Bill Belichick in yes. your face, Patriots. Yes. How, how does my ass taste in Say your face? It, baby, talking, right? baby. Now, and you've never yes. seen, like, at the parade today, you saw Tom Brady, and you've never seen him right? and Gronkowski, but specifically Brady. You've never seen him this happy before, only except maybe 2001. And you got to think the reason that he's so happy is because he did it without Belichick. So before the kings of the NHL were Brady and Belichick and Belichick always made sure to let you know that he got his fair share of credit for being part of the greatest dynasty and the greatest coach of the NFL. And he was a big part of it. But Brady just proved that maybe that's not really true. And now Brady is officially the undisputed king of the NFL for here and going forward for probably all of our lifetimes and maybe future kids' lifetimes. Johnny, have you ever seen Tom Brady visibly intoxicated before? Like he could no. barely he could barely stand up. Yeah, he, he was being carried. He was like white girl drunk. <laughs> it was awesome. And the and chucking <laughs> the Lombardi from boat to boat, like holy shit. Right, like, that doesn't matter. That cannot be the real trophy. You cannot well, put that to chance with Gronk. Here's another thing, too. Here's Gronkowski. Here's a guy who was retired in the league, came back, won another uh, championship with Tom Brady, and your beautiful-ass model of a girlfriend just tweets with a picture after the, after the Super Bowl, he's going to taste like a champion tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. Can we just talk <laughs> on a guy show because we're a guy show? What that says, what that means, like cha-ching, like – Explosions. Hey, Explosions. We have, we have several noted female listeners. So that's I'll... fine, but like that that's coming <laughs> from my team. mother. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like I texted you guys. That's just one of those things is oh my god. It's you're out living, of control. You're living your best life right now. You're doing a boat parade during COVID and just shoving Lombardi a trophy up your ass and it's amazing. Man, Tampa Bay is very Brady this year. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. Brady. Not only wins, so this is going to sound like, oh, come on, get over yourself, John. Like, you're, you're out of control now. But just hear me out. <laughs> Brady went to Michigan, and they won a national championship in 1997. You know, he wasn't the starting quarterback then, but still, he was there. They won a national championship. They haven't done that since. In New England, he goes to the Patriots in the year 2000. They win in 2001, and then suddenly they win six rings. The Red Sox win four rings. The Bruins win a ring. Celtics win a ring. Brady leaves in 2020, and now suddenly Tampa Bay Lightning win a ring. Uh, The Rays get to the World Series, and now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The guy just oozes winning. He brings brings winning wherever he goes, not just for his, his team, but the teams in his city around him. Well, it's you bizarre, know, right? It, it is bizarre. We always have to have a dissenting opinion. And yes, exactly. uh, so, yes, yes. Tom, Tom Brady is the greatest ever. We've been knowing this. Uh, and his revenge against Bill Belichick is complete. Is Bill even going to be allowed back in Foxborough? Should he just stay on the boat? Like, 
I think it is valid and important to note that in the last two Super Bowls that Tom has been in, that the defense has not let up a single touchdown. Okay, so it is not a one-person game. It is a team sport. 53 men are required to win that trophy. This isn't basketball. Can't do it on your own. So I think some of the some of his greatest things that aren't being talking about is his ability to somehow curry favor with the refs. His ability Can I dispute these as we go or are you trying to like you storing them up? <laughs> I'll let me store them up. Let me store them up and you can rant uh, on them afterwards. Okay. Right? So number 1 is a uh, team sport. Number two is refs. Okay, continue. Oh, he's, ri- he's writing down. He's got a dry erase board. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm going to wind up on the dry erase board. Nobody wants to be on the dry erase you're gonna, board. You're going to get your ass kicked right now. Belichick's been on the dry erase board all season, <laughs> and you see how that's worked out for him. But that's okay. For the sake of the show, I'll soldier on. Another part of his greatness <laughs> is his draw. People want to play with the goat. People are ring chasing. So you get these... Gronkowski's and Antonio Brown's and obviously Fournette got picked up off the trash heap, but still he's a talented player and he knew where he wanted to go. And now I think Tampa Bay is going to be a problem going forward because people know where they want to go, but you get a guy like Tom Brady in your building and everybody's on their P's and Q's. It's not necessarily always his play at quarterback at the quarterback position that holds all of his value. Sometimes him just being in the room sets a a precedent and a level that everybody's got to rise to. And I know you're not going to disagree with that last one too much, Johnny. So, so are you saying that he's also the greatest general manager of all time? It could be certainly better than Belichick. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's in his future uh, coaching or, I mean, the guy who can, he can carry multiple roles and, and hold a fucking culture he is the greatest in football. I'm sorry. And then that's coming from me, who's been like a big fucking just, I wanted to get Johnny going here and there over the last few years on this show. Here it is. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time when it comes to football, when it comes to winning and championships in football. Adrian Peterson even came out today and said that he wanted it. He saw Tampa Bay in his future. Not that I want him playing on Tampa Bay because he's old and crusty, but that's just what goes to show that players want to play and with Tom Brady person. now. All right, but so here's what it is. So number one, the t- it's a team sport. But what Tom Brady does is he elevates teammates and he intimidates opponents. That is first and foremost, I think. And so you want to talk about it's a 53-man team game. And I, I 100% agree with you that it takes a team and it takes the coaches and everyone else. But when Tom Brady set, steps foot into a building where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hadn't made the playoffs in 13 years, hadn't won a playoff game in 19 years, they were 5-11 two years ago. Seven and nine the year before, and then they end up winning the Super Bowl this year. And the Patriots, who were twelve and four last year with with Tom Brady, went dropped down to seven and nine. Cut to before the year Tom Brady started playing quarterback. The Patriots were five and eleven and zero and two. That when he first took over, that team goes on to win the Super Bowl when Brady takes over. So when Brady comes, something changes with the team. Now I get it's a fifty-three man game, but. Mostly the same players on that Tampa Bay Buccaneer rosters were there last year. And now, suddenly, after the Super Bowl, now suddenly, listen, Todd Yeah, Bowles, when James Winston Todd isn't Bowles throwing is a genius. 30 touchdowns. When were you ever saying or, Todd Bowles was a genius? Sorry, Tell me. 30 when interceptions. Did when did we hear Todd Bowles is a genius? Had we heard that? Did we know that? 
we didn't know that. <laughs> Suddenly, Todd Bowles, the ex-coach of the Jets, is a genius, right? Uh, Byron Leftwich is suddenly an offensive genius. They all had a hand in it, absolutely. But just taking Jameis Winston is it wasn't the, it was the incorporation. And so here's a few quotes from Mike Evans the other day. Mike Evans said, Tom Brady made me a better player. He made me better in practice. He taught me how to take care of my body, how to eat properly. He taught me how to watch film, exactly what to look for. He taught me how to run better, better routes, cleaner routes. He taught me better daily ha- habits. And last but not least, Tom Brady taught me how to be a better man. That's directly from Mike Evans. And, and so there's other quotes that I have here, too. Like, even on the defensive side, Devin White says, thank you, Tom Brady. You, you're everything. You're the greatest. And Bruce Arians is effusive in his praise going on and on. And just and then the mayor of Tampa Bay at the parade today saying, just want to thank you so much for coming to this city. Tom's love language is words of affirmation. All he wants is to be appreciated. And that's something that Bill Belichick knew and could never deliver to him. He wouldn't show Tom the appreciation. He never gave him any game balls, no words for him of encouragement. And Tom Brady knows when he plays well or plays poorly. And for players, the game ball is an important thing. And for him to never get a game ball is just insanity. Well, here's the thing too, Johnny, and something to think about what I've been watching a lot in the news lately. Think about the brand. Tom Brady is a brand now. So wherever he goes, something comes with him. It's it's succession. It's it's winning championships. It's being responsible. It's taking ownership and and defining your role and and figuring out how to like succeed, whatever the goal may be. And you can do that with Jordan. Jordan was a brand after a certain point in his his legacy. LeBron in, in a lot of ways. So for football, it's never been easy thing for a person to be a brand over the years and Tom Brady has been the brand for the NFL for a long long time even though this is a league that never wanted in some ways to support him to be the brand well so that gets to my point number two about the refs so who who do the refs work for NFL the NFL Roger Goodell the same yep. man who went on to suspend Tom Brady for four games for the bogus deflate gate, right? So now suddenly, oh, oh, suddenly right. these oh, right. refs <laughs> are in the back pocket of Tom Brady. All of a sudden, just a couple years call. later. They, he, always, he always gets the call. The well, just explain that rule, to me. Explain the... to me how Roger Goodell suspends our golden boy for four games, and yet on the same side, the refs have decided, what, on their own? They all got together on their own and said, let's help this guy out? Yeah, Is that what I you're mean, saying? Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes you got to make it not obvious. You got to, you know, (laughs) little bait and switch. The prince and the popper. There's a lot of hate out there, and I get that. And people see what they want to see, but we'll we'll get into the the Jesse James catch. Like, you know, the it just. Hey, I'm just saying. I'm saying it's part of his greatness, but we cannot deny the fact. I will deny it. I was at a game. In Carolina in 2013 on a Monday night when Gronkowski got absolutely raped by Luke Keekley in the end zone and they refused to throw that flag and Tom Brady ran running off the field yelling at the referee because he didn't get the flag. So he doesn't always get the calls, unfortunately. Okay, one, one instance. Well, that's that's a big instance because it cost them <laughs> the game. <laughs> I had no idea when we turned on the game that we would be getting the post-Super Bowl game because turns out the Super Bowl actually happened two weeks ago at Lambeau Field because that was the last good football game that I saw. Fair to yes. say. So let me ask another question. Was this Brady's Mona Lisa, his finest performance in 
in in going through at Washington road game at New Orleans Saints, who were the second highest Super Bowl favorite, thirteen and three road game, a team they had lost to twice to. Then going to the number one seed, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers MVP, defeating him. Then beating the new face of the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, in the Super Bowl, knocking them out one, two, three, four, three of them on the road, three MVPs. Is this Brady's finest performance? Yes. Yeah, it's the quarterback infinity gauntlet. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. But and, it, I, and it's completed. But I want, but I wanted to be that devil's advocate to tell you the media will try to play it down with Breeze not being healthy and Mahomes not being healthy. There, there will be another and the side line of this. Being that will be rem- it up. So the other you, thing is you, they were underdogs in all three of these last three games. Too. Wait, wait, underdogs. wait, wait. You don't think that'll be remembered? No, the injuries. No, the, it, what would be remembered is with the media, with Tom Brady, no. and what we know from his history, they won't no. like, try to push this to a point. This is no, done because he went through MVP, MVP, MVP. He went through Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. He was underdog, okay. underdog, underdog, and a slight injury or older guy is isn't. And the guy that beat him twice earlier in the season by okay. huge scores, thirty-eight to three, was the score of the Saints game two months less than two months before. So. No, that won't. I don't think so. Fair enough. So, and then, so let's get, yeah, let's get into the game as a whole. First and foremost, what'd you guys think of the atmosphere aesthetically in the field, the national anthem? What would you think of the presentation? It's weird because they had to figure out a way to make it feel full, but for the person who had no idea what was going on, it was a success because I had a lot of non-sports people on my Facebook timeline freaking out because they thought the stadium was full. And granted, it is Florida, so that's well within the realm of possibility. But um, got to give it to them in that respect because they were fooling the civilians. Yeah, I agree. I thought it looked good. I thought the field looked absolutely amazing. And I was surprised because last week when we talked about the team colors kind of clashing, I thought the uniforms actually meshed good on the field. And I thought the presentation as a whole looked really good and then getting into the anthem i really liked the national anthem i know oh, some people didn't like it but it. i i really personally enjoyed it they turned it into like like a sappy pop song it was mm. it was it was weird it i don't know i honestly i like my anthems either a diva type singer to nail the shit out of it or you get some fucking kid from a local high school with eczema to (laughs) be the hometown hero and just like blast through it in 35 seconds so that that, those are the anthems i enjoy well i'm just looking to feel something and i and it made me feel good it did remind me maybe it was just because they showed the whitney houston thing from almost from about 30 years prior for the giants bill super bowl and so i was looking See, to feel that's something what I like that's what that, i like the absolutely that, well that well that is the, that is numero uno that's the tom brady they, of national anthems the vince lombardi speech was great too going in in the intro of that too i thought that was great as well i didn't think they did a uh, a good enough job introducing it for people who didn't know anything about football. Lindsay was like, who's that weird man robot thing? So they, they could have done a better job of that. And then, and then um, you know, what did make me feel good was the America, the beautiful by her. Holy Christ. That lady can shred and is not terrible to look at either. If this is an agreement moment. Yes. We're shaking heads to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, shaking heads makes for real good uh, radio. So let's get into the game itself, right? 
before the game, we find out that Brady was texting his teammates, we will win this game, kind of giving them all the confidence that they needed going into this game. Um, he told his teammates also that Kansas City is 31st in the NFL in yards. Uh, yak, once a runner gets hit for Tampa Bay, they can, can keep going, run hard, and you can run run them over. They are not a good tackling team, and I think Brady really em emphasized that. Right, Yak yards. And so I think that we noticed the the play action and Brady's protection was going to be important. Not blitzing Mahomes was going to be important. A lot of cover two shell defense was going to be important if, for Tampa Bay, stopping Mahomes. And that's important, Johnny, because the Chiefs just refused to run the ball for some reason. They That's what they were giving them, and they, they weren't running the ball. They weren't th throwing the screen. How could they? How could they? They were bringing everybody up front. They were, they no, were, they weren't, though. They were, yes, they they were, were they only were rushing four. Yeah, they only blitzed less than five no, times in the game. That, Once the second half started, but we'll get into the second half later, that's when Kansas City and Reed noticed that they could run the ball, and they started to run the ball, but it was too late. It was too late. But they did gash them in the, on the first drive of the third quarter. So to start the game, uh, Tampa Bay gets the ball, gets a quick third now, but Brady tells his teammates on the sideline, everything is going to be twitchy fast tonight. He wants to get the ball out quick. Wants to do play action, wants to establish the run. That in we saw versus Green Bay that Brady targeted the cornerbacks, but in this game we saw that he was going to be targeting the linebackers and the safeties. We noticed, like we said, Casey not running. Casey was not very resilient. Tampa Bay was keeping everything in front of them. We we saw that in Week 12 when they played Casey before. Tyreek Hill had 208 yards in the first quarter alone. They were not letting anything get over the top in this game. So they changed their their defense. Instead of doing a cover three defense or cover one, they were doing cover two, and they were keeping it all in front of them. And they weren't, like we said, they weren't blitzing. So Do you think with that two deep safety look, though, that, um, I mean, and Kelsey did get his yards, but you th would have had a much bigger impact. Tons of credit to Tampa Bay's uh you know, front four to be able to put that kind of pressure on Mahomes. And and granted, KC's line it was completely decimated. Both their starting tackles out. And that was huge. So Remmers, the guy left tackle who was replacing Eric Fisher, he was the yes. right tackle in 2015 for Carolina when the Denver Broncos sacked Cam Newton like a million times in that Super Bowl. Yeah. So they knew going in that they were going to be able to get pressure without blitzing with the front four. And on the flip side, the Tampa Bay line just knew that if they did max protection, they kept their tight ends in a lot, and they had the running backs max protect and do play action. And they, as long as they gave Brady time, they would be pretty much all set. So it was kind of a tale of two offensive lines. Was well, it was a thing too, like Kelsey getting his receptions going into the season is like a hard cut, a hard push up. His size works so well for him, but you got to understand, like within two seconds of the drop back for Mahomes, he was on the run. He couldn't yeah. let anything develop. Like, everything was already cut, and everybody's running their routes, but he was just trying to catch up to where everybody could be, or, like, it was ad-lib, everything for him. And he was doing a great job with that, too. I mean, he had 497 yards yes. before throwing the ball or being sacked throughout this game, and he, for as far as I could tell, was the most talented, most athletically gifted person on that field in this game. Some of the things he did I didn't know were possible – that sideways diving throw. Yeah. It looked like, I don't know if you've ever played the game NFL blitz on the, on the 64 yeah. or in the arcade, right. but 
the quarterback runs backwards for 30 yards and then throws a no looker 60 yards down the field. It was, it was absolutely insane to watch it all unfold. Godwin Evans, we're talking. There, there was a great video of them that came out today on ESPN uh, Instagram talking about how they're calling Mahomes a magician. Like, how does he get away? How does he even like know where that person is? A lot of it's luck. But then his team let him down because they didn't catch any of the balls, and he got victimized by that all day. But but go ahead, Johnny. Johnny, going in the second half. No, I'm I'm just getting going here. So Kansas City (laughs) scores first. They make it three nothing, and then Tampa Bay follows it up right before the end of the first quarter. They drive down the field, and I thought a really great play design was the play that they scored a touchdown on, where they had Gronkowski come across, and they had Mike Evans drive Matthew into the end zone, take him away, and Brady flips it to Gronkowski for the touchdown to make it 7-3. to First time in 10 games that Brady's ever thrown a touchdown in the first quarter. So the first quarter ends up 7-3. And then second quarter, uh, Brady and Tampa Bay, they get the ball back. Uh, Evans gets a 39-yard pass, his only catch of the game. And then they throw it to Haig for the lineman touchdown, and he drops it, or it kind of gets knocked away from his hands. So, unfortunately, if you had that 2001 prop bet, um, you would have scored big there, but Haig ends up dropping it. And on that same series, Ronald Jones gets stuffed on fourth and goal. And I, at that time, thought that was a huge turning point of the game. I thought that was going to be the point where Kansas City starts to take over at that point. And... They had a really nice play to Ty- Tyree Kill, the Chiefs did, right after that. But then on third down, they passed it to Kelsey, and Kelsey dropped it. And that was one of two huge drops that Kelsey had in this game. And that mm-hmm. was really costly, I thought. Okay, yeah, I We're noticing that Brady's going to Gronk, and he's got all day to throw. And Brady finds Gronkowski to make it 14-6 to for his second touchdown. And that was vintage Brady to Gronk. And that was the 14th time that they've connected for their postseason touchdowns to go ahead of the Jerry Rice Montana record by two. And like I said, that was vintage Brady Gronk. Brady had all day to throw in the pocket and he just got Gronk got open in the end zone and 14 to six at that point. Buccaneers. Then we get to late in the second quarter. It's 14 six one on one left in the second quarter. Andy Reid punts the ball back to Tampa Bay. And before Brady goes into the huddle, Coach Arian says to him, we're just going to nickel and dime here and look for a field goal before the half. So we're going to be working the play action. We're going to be working uh, the screens. But on that drive, Andy Reid ends up calling two timeouts because he was hoping to get the double dip score before halftime, get the ball back, score before halftime, and get the ball to start the third quarter. Now, so in a similar way, Green Bay messed up the two, the week before in the championship game, giving Brady the time and screwing up right before half to allow them to score. So those two timeouts extend Tampa Bay's ability to go march down the field. Evans gets a pass interference penalty that many deemed questionable, but huh. his, he, he was beating his man. And his man, while he was falling, grabbed his heel. So it was he huge. was well overthrown. Well overthrown. The ball was in the screen, so that's debatable. He was well overthrown, and I think Evans knew that. He felt the contact, and you can see him fall to his knees. His heel was grabbed. So when you're beat as a man, as a defender, as a cornerback, and he was beat, 
So when you, you and you commit those penalties when you're a beaten man. So he was beat. He knew it. He was going down and he used his right hand. And as he went down his thigh, he grabbed his right heel. But we don't need to get on some semantics. The ball was in the screen. <laughs> the penalty was called. <laughs> so not much else to say. Oh, I boy. knew it was going to be a penalty. I said I, <clears throat> this was on the heels was. of another, he was of beat. another, he of was another only... penalty that I was already upset about. <laughs> and when it happened, I was like, damn. So the other thing is Kansas City was playing extremely so sloppy. They were not, they didn't have their act clean up. So we saw Chris Jones get a 15-yard penalty for fighting back earlier. We saw on a field goal attempt by the Tampa Bay before the Gronkowski touchdown, two men line up offside. So they were sloppy all day. It wasn't just defensive pass interference or defensive holding penalties. It was set penalties or after the play penalties. And so that it, it wasn't evidence, the it wasn't the bye week Andy Reid team we expected to play. Exactly. That's exactly. True. They were not they were not cleaned up. So after that Evans pass interference penalty, then we get another penalty where that sets up first and goal from the one yard line where Tyron Matthew bear hugs Mike Evans in the end zone. That ball, I will say, was probably not catchable. But the first one I thought was. Anyway, you bear hug a receiver after five yards of contact. That's not allowed. It's gonna get called every time. As Romo, said, as Romo says, you play sticky, you're going to get caught. Right. So <laughs> that led to the Antonio Brown touchdown right before half with six seconds to go. Even though Antonio Brown ran the wrong route, uh, Brady, yeah. Brady still found him, and it made it 21-6. <laughs> to six. Tampa Bay with six seconds left. Um, there were eight penalties in the first half. So like we said, Casey, very sloppy, not clean. Chris Jones penalty, offsides. Brady versus Matthew. We got um, Brady versus Matthew going at it. What'd you guys think of that? I thought that that was penalized in a very one-sided fashion. But it was dumb on Matthew's side of. Oh yeah. Of, of, of just going that after him, like like why? Why like wake up the beast? Why like give him any more motivation that he knows how to discover within himself? You are an idiot. You're an. You idiot. could just see the Jordan meme, and I took that personally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so then Brady, and then we go to the third quarter. Brady did was targeting him after after that. All right, so let's we talk about take a break for the weekend. Yeah, the weekend sure. break. Yeah, that's yeah. We we'll get into the weekend. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, I almost vomited during that section where it looked like they were inside of a gold cheese grater, and he was like uh, spinning a cameraman around. Yeah. It was it was it was awful. I have no idea. I, I understand that in COVID times, what can you do? What can you create? But not fucking nausea. I just imagine me like in college drinking a bottle of Goschlager and just imagine myself crawling inside the bottle and being shook around. <laughs> well, it was good. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't seven million dollars of your own money. Good. I'll say I like that. See, did you see Belichick was one of the guys? Um, that was dancing for the weekend. He had Brady's jock strap on his face. <laughs> Good, one. Good one. Yeah, it did look it did look like there was just a bunch of people in red coats with maxi pads glued on their face. It was very strange. Nobody knew what was happening. I saw something that was funny. It was like the weekend is just like if you ordered Bruno Mars off a of wish. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Here's the thing, though. What's expected during COVID? What could you do? And he had a hard situation to fulfill. Like, I have no idea. I don't know. He, he's an odd dude. He makes himself an easy target. But what can you say for 
somebody stepping up in that position for Super Bowl. I liked it. I like his music. Yeah, yeah. He put, I mean, he played the hits. That's all you want, right? I, he didn't really I, I thought mess with the, it. I thought the on-field craziness and chaos and dancing, like even though he can't dance with the fuck, and he just kind of like guided really through the can. whole thing, he can't. But I thought that was kind of coolly choreographed on the field. And they wanted to keep less people off the field, and the, and the jock mask with COVID was a perfect end play to the situation. And it, it all kind of came together with him playing that up like over like, what, three, four months ago? With all those bogus kind of interviews, like what's he taught? What what's the facial, you know, surgery that he's having and wearing those bandages? But all right, so let's get into the third quarter. So, like I said, we start out twenty-one to six. Casey gets the ball. I think Andy Reid noticed that they could run the ball, and so they start out running the ball, and they get they get some big gains with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. They get deep into the Tampa Bay zone. They get a third and seven, and that's when Kelsey slipped, and Mahomes went to him. And he dropped it again. I mean, that was a tougher catch than the first drop that he had, but he's still, he's Kelsey. He's one of the best, or if, if not the best tight end in the NFL. He, he's he got to have that. And so he didn't catch it, set up another long field goal. So it, it, they hit it, Bucker hits it. It's 21-9 to nine at that point. Tampa Bay gets the ball back. And this is when Tampa Bay really started to establish their physicality offensively with Fournette. Fournette was running the ball really hard. The line was blocking really well. Uh, Gronkowski almost got his third touchdown. If he wasn't tripped up, uh, he went down to the 29-yard line of Kansas City. And then the following play was a Fournette touchdown for 29 yards. Uh, Ali Marpet, lineman for Tampa Bay, led the way. Just kind of led him right into the end zone. It was perfect. And so that made it 28-9. to and then at that point, Tampa Bay really knew that KC wasn't going to run the ball anymore. So this is the point where can, where Tampa Bay said, we can just pin our ears back and go after them and pat, like pass rush all day. And so this is when like the sacks and the chasing of Mahomes really started. And then that led to an Antoine Winfield tip ball interception. And then Tampa Bay gets the ball back. Uh, the only bad play of the night for Tampa Bay was the bad snap 15-yard loss that Brady jumped on. Um, and then, so that was their first miscue, like the, the only miscue of the game. And I thought that, that was going to be another turning moment too. That I did just too. fizzled into yeah. nothing. Like, yeah, exactly. So they end up having to kick a 52 yard field goal. And if you know, suck up the kicker for Tampa Bay, you know, he's not that great at distance field goals, but he hit this one. So that made it 31 to nine, a 22 point game. And so you've we've seen Mahomes' magic before. So we knew it wasn't without possibility, but we knew it was going to be tough. And Tony and, Romo fucking let us know that it was possible until well past it wasn't <laughs> right and Mahomes was running for his life and this is when we started to get some of those insane Mahomes throws uh that one where he was parallel to the ground Daryl Williams drops the ball in the end zone and then finally you know they they kept fighting Mahomes kept fighting uh, I'm not sure KC really kept fighting as a team they seemed to be very dispirited as a team uh, but the final nail in the coffin in the fourth quarter was Devin White's interception on the goal line. And we knew that at that, that point it was ball game. And final score, 31-9. to hey. Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. Kudos to your boy for um, correctly predicting the number of points that Tampa Bay was going to score. I knew they had 31 in them. I just had no we idea. Know. That for the first time in his entire life on any team he's ever been on, high school, college, and professional, Patrick Mahomes was unable to score a touchdown. Second time in Super Bowl, right, Johnny? 
A team's been held without a super uh, touchdown. Yeah, yeah, so second uh, year three, in a row. <laughs> well, well, second but, Tom Brady Super Bowl in a row. Right. So, do you guys understand what I'm saying when I go back to last week and I was saying that Belichick may have withheld Tom Brady from more Super Bowl rings because Tom Brady gave them the lead in the last three and a half minutes in each of those three Super Bowls they lost, and it was on Belichick's I, defense to come up with a stop and just any of those. Doesn't and, that prove my point that uh, Tom Brady needs a good defense to win? Yeah. Can't do it on yeah, his own. I suppose. I suppose. But I I get your point, Johnny. But also I look back to the year with with the Seattle Seahawks and the way of like Butler getting that last minute interception right there too. So that could have gone another way. So I think there's a difference of maybe one or two championships, but not nothing great as far as like holding Belichick accountable from yeah. what what Brady's done in his career. Johnny, I think we should uh, also mention the best run of the evening. Yes, let's yes get into the, the streaker. I almost forgot to mention the streaker, and I, I love the call by by the radio announcer Kevin Harlan. <laughs> to the twenty, the ten, and slides. Pull your pants up. Be a man. <laughs> <laughs> so, and is it true that the streaker placed a bet on himself? That's the rumor. I'm hearing conflicting reports. I'm hearing that no Vegas site has confirmed this, and they said that they wouldn't allow it even for that much because it's a novelty prop bet, and so they don't even allow that much, the, the amount yeah. that he said he, he bet. So it can't be true. Yeah. But he's saying that he bet money that there would be a streaker in the game, and when it wasn't coming true, he decided he would be the streaker. And that's why he had a thong leotard all prepared. Right. Hey, well, maybe that's his walking around apparel. Let, <laughs> let, let's be it honest. It is Florida. Let's be honest in this day and age. If it, it, even if it's a lie, this guy's going to be fucking such an Instagram influencer within the next mm. month that he's going to make his fucking money anyway, somehow, some way. So if, if he propped us in some way or like skewed it, good to him because he's going to make a shitload of money. And then do we see, um, maybe not safe for audience, but Tony Romo's little pee stain that don't wear white, oh. light, light pants after when you're, when you're doing a, a game like that, he should know better. You got to wear dark pants, man. Like, come on. When you're out and when you, when you're going to be in a place making a scene like that, wear dark pants, it covers it up because it <laughs> happens to all of us, right? At some point or another in our lives, it happens to all of us. He's wearing light pants. You're doing the Super Bowl, man. Like we all saw it. Yeah, it's okay. But it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> Before we recorded this and you mentioned you wanted to talk about Tony Romo's pee stain, I thought you were talking uh, just colorful language about his call, which was, man, he was sucking off Patrick Mahomes worse than you suck off Tom Brady. It was re it was really, really tough to listen to uh, at the at the end there. And, you know, him. I've been a, I've been a Tony Romo apologist all season. Uh, but it has even worn me down at this point. I thought I thought he was not uh, good in this game. He's no. had a rough year as a whole. Like when you go back and forth from the Collinsworth games and the Troy Aikman games, you see how much more better prepared they were this year. And I just think that maybe he got a little full of himself and started to think that he was the show. Which you get, I get that you start to think that way after all the credit you were getting for the past past year plus and the contract you get, you start to feel like you're the show, but you can tell that Jim Dance is starting to get a little tired of the act. You could see that in the couple weeks ago in the Cleveland game. He's trying to be funny. Like the whole thing, like I can't add, like what's the difference between, 
if they make a field goal right here, like what it's going to be in the first half. No, that I think whole, that was like, a legitimate brain fire. No, no, I, I just think like, and that's just a weird thing. Jim Nance is even like, you can't do the numbers. Like, like what that's the fuck third is grade on? math, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of trying to be too cute, trying to be too funny, stuff like that. But I don't know. Some people like it. I, I think ultimately I was let down. I had expected more, but I think what it does is it really sets the stage for next year. And I hate to say this because I'm not a Tampa Bay or Kansas City fan. However, a rematch next year, mm. like just the drama that would surround that, uh, you know, maybe this is what a young Patrick Mahomes needs a re humbling, a re. A rededication to to his purpose and, and to that team who like, you know, they were they were smelling their own shit. They, they did prove it by winning last year, but it almost like it was just going to be given to them this year. And you know, truthfully, they didn't encounter a lot of adversity. They so were never sixty minute warriors. We talked about how Patrick Mahomes had four hundred and ninety seven yards before throwing the ball or being sacked, and. He actually had a similar stat earlier in the year uh, in week five against the Raiders where he ran for 495 yards uh, before throwing the ball or being sacked. And Patrick Mahomes has the fight, but the the rest of the team needs to, to wake up and show up or every game for 60 minutes because you're not just going to be able to rely on Patrick Mahomes to dig you out of a hole that you build for yourself because you don't perform for the first two quarters of every game. Patrick Mahomes should call Russell Wilson like, how do I survive? Because that's Russell Wilson's story for the last six years as well. So, and I think that coaching may have had an issue in this game as well because we know that Britt Reed, Andy Reed's son, was arrested for drunk driving, hitting parked cars, he was on Adderall and alcohol and left a kid in critical condition the Thursday night before the game. And that had to have had some effect on whether it be Andy Reid, his preparation. Um, that, and he's a coach as well, the guy who got in the accident. So I'm sure he, coach, right? he had some part of the game plan that was his. And somebody probably had to pick up the slack. And so that affected some part of the game. But like you were saying, they Kansas City was never 60-minute warriors to – begin with even going back to last year they were always down double digits they always just they want to be home run hitters they're not grinded outers they and we mentioned this on the pregame show last week that you want to make kansas city drive down the field because they don't want to do that they don't want to run the ball they don't want to take 12 13 play drives down the field they want to hit home runs they want it to be easy and when it's not easy it frustrates them i do wonder about kansas city going forward when things don't come easily to them but they will a lot of the times because they have mahomes but i think in tough situations that just the in the stat that they're 31st in yards uh, after catch shows that they're not a good tackling team. They're not the toughest team in the world. And a lot of them were hanging their heads starting in the third quarter of that Super Bowl. So the resiliency is something I question as well. Johnny, that we had identified the secondary as a big weakness in this team early in the season. That was something that we were saying could be a real 
a long-term issue for that. I think the context of that is we were trying to figure out a way for the Steelers to beat them. Yeah, but, it was. And that's funny you say that. That's exactly what it was. How are we going to get the Steelers to beat them? Uh, but then I think they've figured out a way to right the ship through most of the season, or maybe it just seemed that way. Uh, because they would get out so far ahead that other teams just couldn't hang with them. And then Tom's going to expose you, you know, and, and a weakness. Like if your secondary isn't going to perform and they're going to have to clutch and grab. And, you know, one of the big things for me is it was very apparent very early that it was going to be called a little bit ticky tack and they didn't make the adjustment after that. You know, you can be mad about the first couple calls, but you have to make the adjustment after that and figure out another way to get it done. And they were they just imploding didn't. on the sideline right before halftime because they were so upset and they were upset with each other and upset with everything that was going on. And this was the first time that the announcer crew, Nance and Romo, didn't mention it. And this was the first time. And I don't think she was the one throwing the calls, but it's the first time we had a female ref. And I think that maybe they were told they don't question the referees in this game just because we don't want to make her look bad in her first time doing a Super Bowl. And I think if, you know, she's going to be on the field I, and, and it's not her who even made the calls. But I just think that the referee crew should always be. I, I know Collinsworth would have questioned the crew. You know what I mean? And I think Romo just withheld questioning the crew. And I wonder if it's because there was a female doing the Super Bowl for the first time that they said, let's not question the referees tonight. The, ha the halftime show did. They they're did. Like, they they're did. Like, You're right. The rest cannot dictate this game. They called that out. Phil Simms was the first one to call that out at the halftime show. Like, they needed to take a step back because they played too much of an influence in the first half right there. And uh, something we didn't mention earlier, notable about this game, big congratulations to the two female coaches on the yes. Tampa Bay Buccaneers having this the distinction of being the first two female coaches to ever coach in a game and then and then win. So, I mean, that's awesome for football. And you three, love the diversity. And three black assistant coaches, correct? Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. The diversity so. of women and people of color uh, on their sideline is just phenomenal. And Arians loves it. And so you've got to give a lot of credit, in my opinion, to him for just having the the guts to do that and to have all these different voices on, on his sideline and in his meeting rooms. And I think that that's important. Um, and I think I think it helped. And then uh, just a final note on the game. Tom Brady winning his fifth MVP. It was so funny watching him get the trophy and his kids are hanging on to it and playing with it and they hand it back to him and he doesn't he doesn't even look at it. It's like the morning mail. He just like grabs it, tosses it off to someone else. It, it was just so funny how routine it is. And oh, yeah. you know, I will say all of us throughout this crazy year, this crazy last year and the year to come, we've just been searching for some sense of normalcy and for the world, you know, some kind of order that we're used to. And Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP was not exactly what I was looking for, but, you know, <laughs> felt familiar. Here we are. Well, it's exactly what I wasn't looking for at the beginning of last year. But after the year, once Mookie Betts left the Red Sox and Tom Brady left the Patriots, I said, they will regret these decisions. And 
I could not support either of those teams, so I skipped out on being a Red Sox fan. Mookie Betts goes on to win a World Series. Um, when the split happened between Brady and Belichick, I went with Tom Brady, and my anger with Belichick has not subsided. It's only grown over time, and to see Brady go on to win a World Series, uh, Super Bowl is just phenomenal to me, and it's the ultimate slap in Bill's face. And I know I talk a lot about the Patriots on here because we are a Patriots-centric show, and I've always been a Patriots fan, and it feels natural, and I still wear Patriots gear because it's natural, but no more. I, I got I to gotta stop that. I cho- And you guys will back me up. You know I chose Tom Brady and the Buccaneers the second he left on March 17th, right? Um, but I've got to cut out the Patriots shit, right? I mean, if I'm a Tampa Bay fan with Tom Brady, as long as Tom Brady's playing somewhere, I'm, I'm with him. And maybe one day I'll go back to being a Patriots fan, but it won't be with Bill Belichick in tow. He needs to go, in my opinion, because he's the one that is responsible for the split. I just can't be a part of that. Johnny, you got to drive down to whatever, wherever. Where's where's uh, Kraft live? I do not know. <laughs> I don't All right. know. So you need to hire a private investigator to find out where Bob Kraft lives Go drive to his house, knock on his door, stick your finger in his face and say, listen here, bobby it's me or Bill. Well, have you been seeing that the tweets that I've been sending them to reminding them almost on a daily basis? Just because you know what? I know that they listen to that stuff. I You I'm, remember when they called during Deflategate, Kraft called Stephen A. Smith on his show when he thought there was incorrect information. So they follow and are sensitive to all of this media stuff. They really are. I think I'm and, the only one who likes your tweets. I know, I know. <laughs> but <laughs> you hear the stuff coming out now that Brady called Bill one last time before he signed in Tampa Bay. And it just it drives me crazy. And now I hear all these Patriots fans talking about who's the next quarterback going to be. Is it going to be Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers? And let me tell you, if Tom, if Belichick wouldn't pay Tom Brady more than 12% oh, of yeah. his salary yep. cap, they won't pay more than 12% of the salary cap to the quarterback. So if the yeah. salary cap is $180 million, then no quarterback's going to make more than $23 million. And all 20 quarterbacks in the NFL currently make more than $23 million. So what do you think the Patriots are going to have at quarterback next year? Jimmy Garoppolo. He makes exactly $23 million. <laughs> That's funny you say that. Yeah, welcome. Okay, but so, but there's even if it's not Garoppolo, it's going to be someone like a Marcus Mariota, a Nick Foles. It's going to because Belichick has been quoted Carson in the, Wentz. It, oh, no, he, he makes, makes too much, much money. He makes, makes too, too much, much money. money. In in the Ian O'Connor book from six years ago, Belichick is quoted as saying, "We don't think Tom is as special as everyone else does. We think we could win with any of the top fifteen quarterbacks in the game." Yeah, and they're not going to pay for one of the. They won't even pay I'm, for a top twenty though. They won't admit that the Patriots will not admit that they. Made made a mistake they are not like that they are stubborn headed they won't so drafting a quarterback in the first round is something they've never done the highest quarterback they've ever taken is a jimmy garoppolo late in the second round so they don't pay for quarterbacks and they don't draft quarterbacks high so if they took a quarterback in the first round this year they would be admitting a mistake if they paid or traded and paid for a quarterback this year more than 23 million dollars they would be admitting the brady mistake which would be something you would applaud them for saying okay you admit you made a mistake Good on you, but they won't do that. So these Patriots fans need to get over the fact that they're going to have some stud quarterback come in. And let me tell you this. 
whoever does come in next, it doesn't matter who comes in next because guess what? It's not going to be Tom Brady. It sounds like Tom... a perfect recipe for a Tyrod Taylor injection. Exactly. So the <laughs> Patriots, I'm sorry to say to all the Patriots fans, were never anything more than a team that got lucky. And you're starting to see these articles come out now. They got lucky drafting a player in the sixth round out of Michigan named Tom Brady in the year 2000, and they went through years of the Brady effect. The Patriot way was just the Brady effect. The greatest dynasty in pro sports was the Brady effect. And it's over now. And the sooner that Patriots fans accept that, the better off they will be. Because anything else, you're just holding on to false hope and you're going to be disappointed later on. Belichick had similar struggles in Cleveland without Tom Brady. He struggled in New England without Tom Brady before, and now he's struggling after without Tom Brady. He so won I'm, two Super Bowls without Tom Brady. As a defensive coordinator. There was That's actually Bill Parcells job. won those Super Bowls. Okay. <laughs> That's he, an important job, John. He's the, he's the neo of pro football. He figured out okay, the algorithm. Here's what I'll say. I'm not crazy. I know Bill Belichick is a good coach, <laughs> but as a general manager... He's not a great general manager. His drafts have been poor. He's yes. stubborn, and they cheat on the they they don't cheat on the salary cap, but they don't spend. He said they sold out on the salary cap. They are the least amount of money as far as cash money spent in the NFL out of all 32 teams the last five years. They've spent the least, so they have not sold out. And let me tell you, Forbes just published that the Patriots are the second highest valued franchise in the NFL, only to the Cowboys at yes. number one. So, so don't tell me that the Patriots do not have the money. They have the cap space and they have the money and they refuse to use it. They've never used it and they're not going to start using it now. So they learn how to be profitable without having to be a winning franchise. Oh. Welcome, welcome to the Cowboys oh. land. Exactly. Hello. Everybody but welcome. They're going to start losing a lot of fan loyalty and you've already seen it. The the, the Brady Belichick thing. Is, but it will still sell split. That stadium will still sell out every year. There's it's going to wear thin. There is going to wear thin. The only, that, there, I was a member of the Patriots fan base in the late 80s, early 90s, when they didn't even couldn't even broadcast Patriot games locally because they wouldn't sell out. That's how bad that team yeah. was before Parcells came. And when Parcells came in 1994, that's when the season tickets started to sell out again. But before that, that stadium was empty and the games weren't on locally. And that was what being a Patriot fan was until Parcells came here. And I'm sorry, I know it's not going to be like that anytime soon, but it could get like that 15, 20 years down the road. Possibly. Tom Brady was just a fart in the wind for the Patriots. It wasn't, a, it, they didn't change anything. And we're all seeing it now. Nothing, maybe Bill can prove us wrong, but he's not off to a good start. I get that, Johnny, but I don't see anything in the AFC East to dominate over the next 10 years or 12 years like the Patriots have. What about so Josh I, Allen and the Bills? No, they can for a what while. What about Deshaun but, but Watson just, and the Jets? Just, is it going to happen? You think that's going to happen? What about Deshaun Watson and the Dolphins? It could happen, too. That was right there. But I'll tell you, the worst quarterback situation just, is the Patriots. But you could be in my position as a Cowboys fan and say you can't sustain that for so long. We've sustained that. For how long? 27 fucking years. I know it's the great state of Texas, but like with the amount of states and the following up here that you have for the Patriots, you can sustain that and still be a number one franchise. I just don't like that 20 year dynasty. That 20 year dynasty 
has has dividends. That's yes. 20 years right. of winning that people are used to yeah. and are going to be desperate desperate to get back to. It will continue, right? And that's why people are still holding out false hope. You're absolutely right. But eventually, the the Patriots. What I'm telling you is they are not the Pittsburgh Steelers. Teams a year, 31 teams a year. The Pittsburgh Steelers aren't the Pittsburgh Steelers anymore. 31 yeah. Yeah, teams a year. Won over multiple decades, different championships, different quarterbacks, different coaches. So, so have the you, Cowboys. The Patriots are not the Cowboys. The Patriots the, are not the Steelers. The Patriots are not the 49ers. The Patriots are not the Packers. With Tom Brady, Tom Brady had two Hall of Fame careers. They had two separate, you know what I'm saying? Two separate no, generations. No, because he's gone now. <laughs> I know, but you're the freshest, most dominant dynasty in football. Like, you have some time. <laughs> you have a buffer. You have okay. the biggest buffer That's why I said 15 to 20 years. That's why I said 15 <laughs> to 20 years. Because there's Patriots more. fans holding out false hope right now. Listen, you've heard me for the past three years of doing this podcast of understanding, like, you're living on a dream. You're living on generations of knowing championship football and still expecting great football every year being a Dallas Cowboy fan. But you fall short every year, which you believe you buy in because you still remember there are going to be generations to come. But it's going to take at least – two, maybe three decades for that to fall for the Patriots to be anywhere past the 10th, 11th in that franchise earnings as far as value. I think that's the case. That's not a bad situation to be in. Well, they're not going to win. <laughs> it's going to be hard for you. The Steelers, I know that. I know that. For me, it's not going to be hard for me. I'm, 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 no, it's still going to be come hard back. for you. I'll come it hurts back deep down. We know it gone. hurts deep down, John. You it can doesn't. pretend it doesn't. Come but on. You're, you you know it hurts. That's your city. That's your that's your teams. That's, cut ties. that's Red Sox and Patriots. You, you can't, can't just cut ties like that. You know that. I did. If you can, I hate you for oh, okay. it. March 17th, I did. And I told you it was coming. And you can go back and listen to the shows. And I've told you all year long that I've been a Tampa Bay fan. So let's not rewrite history now. Because I've told you from the get-go that I was going with Tom to Tampa Bay. Yeah, we knew that you're you're rooting for Tom in Tampa Bay. We knew that that because you had calculated in your robot brain that the Patriots have no (laughs) chance whatsoever. You were following your golden boy to Tampa Bay. And we, okay, so yes, you you hopped on the bandwagon, but Bill Belichick down, is a lie. I did hop on the bandwagon. The deep, bandwagon. Deep, I've been with Tom Brady for 20 years, Ernesto. The bandwagon. Down, the, Tampa what, Bay, the Tampa Bay bandwagon that was seven and nine last year. That that bandwagon. Down, I'm on the Tom Brady bandwagon. Deep, the guy who's been my quarterback for 20 plus years. Mine. Deep, deep down. And you Belichick hurt me. Red, white, and silver. You're hurt. No, that's clear. You're hurt. And I and he's an arrogant, and his ego has 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 in my mind hurt the Patriots. And this Brady's winning the Super Bowl is a crushing blow to the Patriots because nobody's going to take less money to go play for the Patriots because they're not a winning team. He's the, nobody's going to go want to go work hard when they can see Tom Brady and Gronko having fun, still making their money, not needing to take pay cuts like they did in New England year after year after year and play in the cold, play for a ruthless dictator that doesn't win. Do you know who you're talking to? Do you know as a cow for Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett? Do you do you know who you're talking to? No and team told, asks and more players me, to take more pay cuts than the Patriots. Oh my God! But how many times did Troy Aikman take those pay cuts to to create a winning championship with Michael Irvin and fucking Emmett Smith and all those players? Like all those players made money around Troy Aikman. He was the Tom Brady of that era in some ways, not talent wise. I'm not saying for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like you make sacrifices. You know when you're 
franchises at its peak point of winning championships and making those sacrifices. Tom Brady Stump just saw that he didn't need to make the sacrifices because he got his money in Tampa Bay. Same with Gronk. They didn't need to take pay cuts. Well, they didn't need the sacrifice. It was okay. a lie. So call that call Tom Brady, Jimmy Johnson, when, when, he, when, when fucking Jerry Jones didn't get the recognition that he wanted and let go of Jimmy Johnson and proved with that first year that he could win with Barry Switzer because he still had the talent. It is sometimes the talent outweighs the coaching because the talent still lives on. That's like, what I'm saying. Tom Brady learned from Bill Belichick. Tom Brady is not Tom Brady without Bill Belichick. Oh, and I agree. Not, I agree. Okay. There's there's parts of him. Okay. But so Bill want, Belichick doesn't win a single thing without Tom Brady. Yeah, I don't want that to be lost because Bill Belichick built that legacy as much as Tom Brady did. No, fact, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, Cleveland oh my Browns. God. No, I no thought way. we were almost out of this and you just brought us back oh, to the middle. Man. No way. God no way. damn it. They Absolutely. were 5-11 and 0-2 before Tom Brady stepped foot on that field. That's 5-13, and my friend. And they're 7-9 and since Tom Brady left that field. I mean, the facts... The facts, the scoreboard is hard to read. I know it is hard to read, but the scoreboard said Brady, a thousand, Belichick, zero. So, I mean, until that scoreboard changes, I'm sorry, we're going to have to read the scoreboard and just be slaves <laughs> to the scoreboard. Aside from the fact that he had two Super Bowls before Tom Brady, but we are fucking done with this subject. Let's move on. There is a huge free agent quarterback market yet again heading into next season similar to what we saw last season marquee names with their futures undecided and a lot of teams with some drama going on so we have russell wilson whose people are putting out there and floating around that they don't approve of the way that they've taken care of him right which for me is a little bit you know who are we calling out here? Are we calling out Pete Carroll? Are we calling out the offensive line? Are we calling out uh, who's the the offensive coordinator just got let go? He said he was a Russell Wilson, let, let Russ Cook kind of guy. Uh, they let him go. They're saying Russell Wilson has been sacked more times than anybody else. Do you think uh, he's looking to get moved? Do you think maybe uh, do a little tradesy for uh, Deshaun Watson? Because that, that sounds fair to me. Probably Seattle? one of the one of the only few one to one trades that could be done with Deshaun. Yes, Russell Wilson will not end up in Seattle, but he wants to be an international superstar with his wife Sierra. You saw them in the Super Bowl, sitting next to Roger Goodell for the entire game. He uh, is envious of Tom Brady, and he wants to be in a big market, whether it be New York or somewhere big, so that he can be an international superstar. But and I'll tell you what, Seattle is sick of Russell Wilson's act because. He has never been one to restructure his contract or take a little bit less. He was always looking for max dollars. And Russell Wilson is also not a quarterback who is, quote unquote, on time with his throws. He waits all day and uh, he gets sacked a lot. And some of that's the offensive line's fault. But a good amount of it is also his fault because he holds on to the ball too long. So I think Russell Wilson, you'll see within a year or two, will no longer be a Seattle Seahawk. Will it be for Deshaun Watson? I, I I can't see it. I think the Texans are being stubborn right now because um, Easterby is on his crazy train. Um, we will get into that in a moment. But I don't I don't think that'll happen. But I like I said, I do think Wilson is paving the path to be tra traded, and Seattle will be willing to oblige. I will be the other side of that and say he will not go anywhere because the best situation for yes for Seattle is to keep Russell Wilson. Uh, 
I think it was bad on his part in his camp to like release the fact that he wasn't protected and that he is the most sacked quarterback in the modern day era at 365 sacks, I believe. Um, but this is a guy I don't see could let go of him. I don't think there's anything out in the market that's better than him besides the Sean Watson, but you're going to give up something more with unknowing, but you know what exactly what your quarterback can do. So What's Not that? a single MVP vote ever for Russell Wilson. I get Teammates I get view it. him as selfish. The, a lot of the stuff was coming out of Seattle today that they are not in, as enamored with him as they were. And that, you know, that comes straight from the top of the organization. So they're not happy with him not being on time. The teammates view him as selfish. The team itself views him as selfish because his refusal to take anything less than max dollar value. So, Do you, do you think he has a higher trade value than Watson or, or less value than Watson right now? Oh, considerably, considerably less. Considerably. Okay. With Watson's right. age, Watson's age alone is, a bi- is the biggest factor. I get, I get Wilson that. Because Wilson is already but, over 30. All right, fair enough. But I'm, Hop, I'm not Hop, saying these Hop things Hop about illusion. Wilson. I'm telling you that Seattle, the organization, is saying these things about Russell Wilson. And when you have Russell Wilson saying, talking about being out, and you have the organization talking about him being out, then you have a path for him being out. I think he's a winner, but I think he is too. I think he has a lot to give. I, I, I think Pete Carroll's always been a defensive eccentric kind of guy, and he made some fucking blundering plays, as we know, in the Super Bowl was with with. Uh, with the New England Patriots making that decision right there not to go with uh, Marshawn Lynch and, and pass it right there for the Butler interception. But, uh, you know, he, he, he could have been robbed at least two championships by Pete Carroll away if you want to talk about coaches and how Belichick robbed Brady in your mind. I think Carroll has in some ways robbed Rob Wilson as well. All right. While we're on the uh, while we're on the subject, Marty, the question of Dak Prescott will need to be answered uh, here in the coming weeks. Yeah. Will he stay or will he go? It's been interesting. The last two days have been these new hype videos for the up and coming years for his Cowboys championship. And they've been showing every player from the eighties of Troy Aikman to Michael Irvin to the newer players and Cooper, and there's one person missing in those videos that have been released in the past couple of days, and that's Dak Prescott. Now, the Cowboys camp has mentioned that they didn't back this release. It's not them. It's not their camp. But then again, when when it was first released until the reaction, they didn't come out and get ahead of it. So I, I still think this is a thing where this has gone too far. I, I just I don't see how they can repair the relationship with Dak. Yet, I don't know exactly what Dak's relationship with the organization is. It, it's, it's a mystery in some ways. And this is how the Cowboys operate. I don't know exactly what's going on. But I just don't really see how, maybe Johnny can offer a different perspective, but how this rides out. I just don't see how Dak is the future of this franchise, how he's been treated. I mean, I just don't think that they'll, they've, they have, they've got to find a way to mend. Yeah, I think it's beyond. And I think I, they I think will. It's just, I think it's a bad PR thing. I think it's just been everybody's been drawing a line in the sand. And with the injury gave the Cowboys some leverage in their mind. But then again, in the camp where where Dak is at, it's it's saying that they want more because he's given beyond what he's supposed to before getting signed to a long term contract. So there is some gap that's that's in between them. and, And I don't know how you build that bridge. I just don't see this being a future thing. Well, speaking of needing to mend bridges, Carson Wentz in Philadelphia 
it, the whole situation just seems kind of all lost, although it doesn't make sense if they get rid of Doug Peterson sensibly to choose sides and, and choose Carson Wentz's side. However, then, you know, they bring in another coach who was best friends with Hertz, coached him when he was a kid or something, you know, so it's what what is going on in Philadelphia? Do we have any idea? Do we have any maybe uh, Wentz to Indy or something? Well, it seemed like there was a deal for the Colt to the Chicago Bears lined up um, um, last Monday, but that didn't go through. And the asking price, from what I hear for Wentz, is two first-round picks, which, with the salary attached to him, is just insanity. And I don't know which team, what team, is going to pay two first-round picks for um, kind of a project to rebuild and rework with and also have to pay that much money. So I, I could see a second round pick or a late first round pick for Wentz, but until Philadelphia changes his, his their asking price, I, he's not going to get moved. Yeah, it's a bad contract. Yeah, I feel like this is like a double-headed snake. You, you, feel, you had to get rid of Peterson and you had to try to like unload Wentz to get, a, get away from this culture and this, this concept. Uh, of Philadelphia football, but like that—that—that's a huge thing to ask. And and Wentz is not a Stafford. This is not a trade. This is not a Watson situation. He's well below that trade value in the league. And I don't see anybody taking a chance on this guy. Well, he'd be a great reclamation project. There might be somebody out there who think they can rebuild this guy, but I don't see anybody franchise-wise, team-wise that I can think of off the top of my head. Colts. Colts are a good call. Yeah, because because he gets okay. to go work with Frank yeah. Reich again, that's a yeah. good call. But I, I just don't know. Like I said, the asking price right now is too much, and the Colts yeah. are a smart a smart organization. And if they know that they have to pay him yeah, a considerable amount of money, they're not going to give up two first round draft picks as well. So I'm sure that right now they are far apart. The only other thought I had was bringing him Jimmy out in uh, San Francisco as a little just double headed, kind of like who can win the job, and you can get him for a little bit of a cheaper value. Um, I've heard that Shanahan would like Cousins because he worked with Cousins in Washington years ago or Matt Ryan if the Falcons go with quarterback in the draft because he worked with Matt Ryan in Atlanta and he was the MVP. Matt Ryan was the MVP when he worked with Shanahan. So that system and Shanahan five years ago, they're a good fit. I know, but. Think about the Cousins was 10 years ago almost. (laughs) So I don't know. These are just guys that. Shanahan likes well, and when you feel like your job's on the line, you're gonna go back to something that feels right. That worked. Right. Yeah. All right. Some other names out there. Nothing really that jumps off. Uh we got Mitch, we got Joe Flacco, the Red Rifle, uh Fitzmagic, Brissett, Cam Newton. I mean, these are all guys that are gonna wind up with jobs, but nobody that uh really is gonna be a difference maker, I think. Jimmy Garoppolo, if he goes to New England, that's like I said, that's the only way Belichick can salvage his legacy after what Tom Brady has done to it. Okay, so fuck at the danger of opening this back up (laughs) in 200 words or less. What does Bill Belichick have to do to salvage his legacy? What does next year have to look like for you to start wearing your your Patriots underwear again? No, no, no. That's not going to happen until Belichick is gone. 
that's what I've made clear. I feel like I'm I'm with Team Tom Brady until Tom Brady finally decides to retire. I've been making that clear for many many months. So let's just stand firm on that. I will come back to the Patriots once Tom Brady is gone and Belichick retired and gone, and also Belichick is gone. Then I will return to Patriots. Not until then. What if uh, Tom for, comes back to New England as a coach while Belichick is still coaching? <laughs> dreams. What kind of dreams are you having? I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. No, not, did you see you how smoking? happy how happy Tom Brady was today? That was for one reason. Would you put on the Patriots underwear or not? Yeah, of course I would, but that's not happening. <laughs> Tom Brady was partying like a Pentecostal kid on his first freshman year of fucking college. And we right all now. know why, okay? Yeah, exactly. Um, like, for a successful season for Belichick with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he does. And, and this is why I said for weeks that Tom Brady didn't need to win the Super Bowl. He just had to make the playoffs and, like, win a playoff game. And that's why I said that alone was enough to stick it in Bill's face. But he went above and beyond. For, for Belichick to get his uh, credibility back, all he needs to do is, is the same thing. Because asking a team to win the Super Bowl is hard to do. I mean, you can't just say he has to go win the Super Bowl. I don't agree with that. I think he just has to make the playoffs, win, get to the divisional round, win or lose in the divisional round. I think if he gets that far, boom, he's right back up there, legacy restored. Because... Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy that he had planned for years ago. So if he gets him back and he wins with him now, then he kind of can say, look, I had the guy. This was the guy. I worked with him. And now it's working again. If you had just listened to me years ago, maybe we would be winning Super Bowls with him. Or we would have won a Super Bowls with him. I don't know. But that's what I say he has to do. It's got to be Jimmy G. But it has to be Jimmy G. Exactly. Okay. All right. And then one last thing, blessedly for us today to talk about the football hall of fame class of 2021 has been announced, uh, because they're not idiots and going without naming a hall of fame class this year, uh, like other sports that shall not be named at this time, but, uh, uh, obviously a huge congratulations to, Guard Alan Fanica, who you will remember from episode 65 as being my number 65 that I was able to cheat in there playing one season at that number because my 66 was obviously taken. Uh, Coach Tom Flores, wide receiver Megatron Calvin Johnson, safety John Lynch, quarterback Peyton Manning. Uh, who's that contributor legendary Steelers scout Bill Nunn. Uh, he was responsible for discovering much of the seventies dynasty team. And uh, he was instrumental in getting a lot of uh, black players uh, into the league and starting the practice of uh, scouting at um, traditionally black colleges uh, and, and everything. Uh, wide receiver Drew Pearson and cornerback safety Charles Woodson. Boys, your thoughts on the Hall of Fame class of 2021? I will uh, want to quickly shout out Drew Pearson, Cowboys. This guy was a local hero and gave a lot to the community, to the black community. And uh, my uncle was a part of the JC's Club, which is a Texas uh, business club that provided local charities and drew pearson was just an active member who gave a lot a lot of money to local um 
communities that were in need. So big shout out to that Hall of Famer. He was, he was an amazing human being. Uh, Calvin Johnson for me. He was my fantasy monster, my fantasy darling. Um, probably one of my favorite fantasy players, if not my favorite fantasy player over the years. He was just a monster, a machine. He was so reliable. You could count on him in the end zone. You could count on him for big yardage. He was just, oh my God. It was him and Jimmy Graham in that time era that were just, if you had a wide receiver tight end combo, they were so freaking reliable week after week after week. But And then for Calvin Johnson retiring early, that was heartbreaking for me because I loved watching him play. He just go up and get the ball. And De so Detroit really has a talent for just taking mm -hmm. the love of football away from people, huh? They sure do. Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson retired much earlier for both of them than you, anyone ever thought they would have. You see, look at Tom Brady playing 21 years and we didn't even get 21 years combined from those two. And that's a shame. Yeah, and obviously reports are coming out that it took all of 13 seconds for Peyton Manning to be affirmed as a Hall of Famer. Johnny, I know that much in the same esteem as I hold Tom Brady, that's what uh, Peyton Manning was for you, the evil empire, right? the foe, uh, often vanquished though. I mean, he was never really an issue for me, as, as bad as people thought, because Three of those first four Super Bowls, they beat Peyton Manning and they upset him. They were Patriots would be underdogs and Brady, Peyton Manning would have the stats and Brady would still overcome him and they would beat him in the playoffs. They would shut him down like Tampa Bay just shut down Mahomes and it was just crazy. And then in the later years when Mahomes, when Manning got the good defenses in Denver, he beat him Brady in 2013 and 2015, but. You know, as we see now, Brady's got seven Super Bowls, Manning's got two. Um, it's not really a contest. So I know some people try to make the argument, or ha did used to make the argument, not anymore, that it, Manning was better than Brady. But he's a great quarterback. It's a, a great quarterback, but it's great, long, great, long past the yeah the the argument wayside. Great ambassador for the game, and these are two guys who respect each other's in their careers and have fun with it and do commercials together and skits and they know exactly their legacy and impact on the game and i don't think as far as nfl franchise you can ask for a better representative of your league in tom brady or peyton manny they're they carried that torch for a long long time so congratulations to a phenomenal human being and peyton manny for sure that fam that family as a whole is just all hall of fame so this is sorry to make it like this but i just but i did want to get this in Brady stopped the Rams dynasty in 2001 from becoming a dynasty. The Kurt Warner, that greatest show on turf, Rams. Mm -hmm. He prevented the Colts from becoming a dynasty, right? Right. Um, with Peyton Manning. He, with Seattle, they would have become a dynasty if they had won their back-to-back -back championship in 2014. So he stopped that one. Steelers. And then well, yeah, the Steelers, too. And then there's also the Chiefs. Two out of the last three years, Brady's beaten Mahomes in the playoffs to prevent Mahomes from probably being a three-time Super Bowl champion. So that's just another credit to Brady is he's a dynasty killer stopper.
you felt life in that, and you just wanted to give it a couple more puffs. I understand. I, I mean, I have so many notes that this show could go on for days, man. Yeah, days. I'm getting that you sense. Could, you the, got you got endless mouth hugs for this man, and I understand. Do you think that uh, once Tom Brady's in this Hall of Fame position, obviously after after he's hung him up, uh, maybe in a couple years, do you think the Peyton Manning effect will take hold where? You're never going to see Tom in a Patriots jersey again. You know, whenever they show his... I was surprised by that. That's a good point. I was surprised that he wasn't in a Colts in Colts gear because I'm like, oh my God, those Indianapolis Colts fans must be crushed, right? right? And I was thinking that if Tom Brady was only supposed to play two more years in Tampa, but now he's talking about signing an extension and playing past 45, you know, because he always said he wanted to play till 45. So if he's 43 now, then he's only got two, maybe three years in Tampa. So there's no way that he can go in as anything but a Patriot. But if he plays five or six years in Tampa, oh my God, and he has wins another ring or something, then oh my God, like, I need him to be a Patriot. <laughs> I need him to be a Patriot going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. Yeah, that would be a little disturbing to me, um, even though I'm a Tampa Bay fan now. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> I clearly. won't be for the rest of my life, so. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you, that, that, is, that is something I have an issue with, potentially. But we'll worry about that if the time comes when the issue presents itself. Um, I mean, he won six with New England, so it's going to be hard to overcome that issue. The thing with Manning is the Colts doubted Manning, and now the Patriots and Belichick doubted Brady, and he moved, they both moved on to win somewhere else. But Manning only had one with the Colts, one with the Broncos. I can't see Brady getting six with Tampa Bay or anywhere close to that. So you got my logic there? Yeah. Recency bias is very real, so we'll have to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. All right, and last thing here on football, Jack Easterby. <laughs> oh, we're going to crazy town. Former team chaplain, turned character coach, and somehow now GM, Cal McNair, crazy owner, promises Deshaun Watson that we'll at least interview your guys. We'll interview them, right? Not only does he not interview his guys, he promotes a team chaplain to running his organization. And they're they're praying together, a little Jesus circle, asking God if they fucking have the right players or something. I don't know what's going on. And poor Nick Casario. I mean, boy, was he just dropped into like a storm of shit. Maybe he's in with them. I, I don't know. Maybe he's one of the boys. Because Easterby had been trying to get Casario for years, so I'm f- I'm feeling that maybe he's one of the boys. The, uh, evangel- the prayer circle, the evangelistic prayer circle, whatever's going on there. But Easterby's got Cal McNair by the nuts, and it's like whatever Easterby says or wants, it's happening in Houston. And it is bizarro land. It is Jonestown. It is Heaven's Gate. It is the Kool Aid is being drunk by McNair and anyone who's not on board or or whoever Easterby thinks is talking behind his back and he's starting to think that it's everyone else is is getting the boot or being asked to resign and you know because there's people taking sides down there and it is an ugly scene and I 
you just can't see this ending well. You see that Watson's promising that he will hold out. Uh, J.J. Watt is pissed because the equipment manager from for a long time was just fired. Like there has been a lot of firings in Houston because there was this Sports Illustrated article written about Easterby and like how the hell has this guy who was a team chaplain slash character coach rise to such prominence in a short amount of time who had literally no football experience in these positions of being a general manager slash president or positions of power. And suddenly he's here and now there's this article, kind of a, a, a bad article written about Easterby and Sports Illustrated. There's signs up by longtime season ticket holders in the stands being saying, get rid of Easterby. He's a he's a nut job. And Easterby is being paranoid, saying he thinks that everybody's talking behind his back. And so his his conclusion is, well, let's fire them all. Let's get rid of everyone. And anyone who's not in my little prayer circle. Um, goes and anyone who is in my prayer circle stays and this isn't going to end well it's only getting crazier by the day today the, the longtime president jamie roots resigned who had been there for 15 years uh was a key member of the organization and he must have seen the craziness going on there and been like i'm out of here so we don't know what's to come but it's wacky i'll tell you that yeah and deshaun watson said that he is willing to to sit out right and I, i'm sure that jj watts feeling the same way it, it's the whole thing is bizarro land and they're gonna start losing season ticket holders they're gonna start losing players uh we gotta take a little break here because uh you'll you'll notice marty left the chat uh, he, shit his, he shit himself I don't have the shark. It's okay. It happened. Oh boy. I'm good now. We Jesus can carry Christ. on. Can you put uh, your headphones back in? Oh shit, no. Jeez, <laughs> Louise. Did you poop on those too? No. Oh my god, guys. It was Jack Easterby. He heard we were talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> he asked God to bring a shit to you. Yeah. Right. No, like I like put it on mute and farted. I'm like, ooh, that's a little bit more than I expected. Uh-uh. That's gonna itch when it dries. Yeah. I'm good. I'm I'm pantless right now. Oh my god. All right. Well, one last thing before we hang up today, Johnny. Have you ever seen anything more embarrassing in your fucking life than Jimmy Butler pretending he's dying on the court? Did you see this? No. You didn't fucking see that? I didn't, no. Oh my god. So he's like writhing on the ground like holding his eye and then yeah. you, you see him like look around like are people looking and then he like goes back to holding his eye and writhing around he must have been on the ground for like i don't know 45 seconds 50 seconds like pretending to be hurt the <laughs> announcers are like what is ha like what is wrong with that guy but i will say marty i have you seen the uh, the Heat's alternative uniforms? That like mm. pink, blue, ombre. Holy I can love them. Love them. Yeah. Yep. Come on. Yep. I, I woo. Yeah. I'd have to pick up a little gear. Exactly. No, they're killing it on that aspect. Uh, Jimmy Butler has been out for a long time. Come back and and yeah, that injury was super crazy, weird. Like he's an eccentric kind of guy, but that was a weird like play out of a foul i have no idea what he was trying to get to 
The NBA has become like that, though. It's almost like they Soccer. try they well they try harder to get the call than they do to actually hit the bucket as they're going down. They they do more to embellish than they do to score the point. Right. Well, it's come out by the NBA Referees Association too in the last couple of years of just how bad it's become and the pressure it puts on them with replay and how it slows down the game and you know that that they're in a lose lose situation because they call the foul. There's no foul there, and you re- and you go to replay, which you're granted now, and it's turned back. How it slows and it, and it puts it on them. But then again, they're ridiculed if they don't call it within the moment it happens. So it's it's a lose lose situation for them, which in in a lot of ways has happened with with NFL referees over over the years as well. So I don't know how you clean that up. I don't know if you they they they've gone to the situation where you. You know, you can call a foul if you if you totally play it off, and it's not something flagrant or apparent. I just don't know how you clean it up. It's it's getting a little out of hand for sure, Johnny. It's basically when, European soccer. Yeah. When I become the commissioner of all sports, one of my rules will oh. be to be automatic ejection um, if it's proven that it was embellishment oh. or faking a of a foul. The full flop. You just boom, yeah. automatic ejection, game check withheld. And boom, we'll get that cleaned up within a week. Um, so that'll be um, among act, act, probably act number one when I become commissioner. Wow, of number one. Yeah. And this is nothing new. This goes back to Jordan. This goes back to Reggie Miller leg out three, underside baseline run out to a three and stick your leg out and draw contact. I mean, it's gone on for a long time. The NBA has always been a situation the more points scored, better for the league but they're getting to a point now like it's just scoring is out of control and it, they need to figure something out or you're going to run into what you run into a baseball is like the home run is not the home run anymore the three-pointer is not the three-pointer anymore you know the dunk's not the dunk anymore like you baseball has hand. made a move what's that we'll get into it in a future show but baseball has made a move Ooh. we'll tighten the ball yeah, baby. <laughs> well, Marty loves tight balls, but you'll Ooh. have to tune in next time to hear all about it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been a long one, and I think in our excitement, got a little bit all over the place. But uh, thank you for, especially especially on Marty's end, it's really all over the place. Oh, <laughs> But uh, we thank you all for hanging in there with us. It has been an amazing season. Boys, I've had a great time. Uh, I know football is really our bread and butter and our grind, and we try and do a podcast every week. So uh, I'm sure we're going to give ourselves a little bit of leeway, make sure we got good content for you guys, uh, but it may be coming out not every week. So Lots of basketball to discuss coming up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But we we do we do little off seasons here oh, in the in the spring and and through the summer, especially in the baseball months. But uh, it's our so, slow period now because now it's just regular season hockey and basketball. And you know, once the once the NFL draft comes and baseball starts to come around, and then we get the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs, or at least we get closer to them, everything becomes a little more important and amplified. <laughs> but until then, all right, guys. Have a good night.
Here, put this in the mic. <laughs> is there is there outtakes episodes? You fucking animal. <laughs>